Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Well, good morning. I want to take a moment before we get started this morning and just express to you um, how much I genuinely miss all of you. Uh, it's really difficult um, and bizarre to be in here in an empty room, uh, just a bunch of empty chairs and um, preaching the Word of God to upholstery, uh, but here we are. Um, and I just want to say thank you for braving through this with us, and as Brandon expressed at the beginning, uh, thank you for tuning in with us this morning. Um, I encourage you to grab your Bible, grab something to write with, and let's dig into the Word of God. As I said last week, we're going to be pressing pause on our study of the book of Colossians, and that's going to be true again this week. Um, there are a few things that I feel like we need to hear from the Word of God um, during this difficult season. Go ahead and grab your Bible. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 41. Before we get started, uh, or, or while you're flipping there, uh, let me just kind of help to point, give us the direction of where we're going this morning. You know, these, these are unprecedented times, and uh, we need to know how to be able to navigate these murky waters. And that wisdom is not going to be found on Facebook or on Instagram or on Fox News or CNN or through any bipartisan legislation, that wisdom is going to come from the Word of God. Uh, so that's why we're going to gather um, every Sunday through the live stream and Lord willing on Wednesday and still get into the Word of God together. We're going to look at a couple of things this week, some reasons why we should not be afraid. Let's be honest, if we take a look around, there's plenty of reason for us to be afraid during this season. But from our passage in Isaiah 41, God himself is going to give us five reasons why we should not be afraid. So without further ado, let's look at Isaiah 41, uh, verse 10. This is the word of God. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I want us to focus right now, Lord, on you. Um, Lord, please help us. God, the people who are listening right now from their home or their work or their car, wherever they are, God, Lord, I, I, I have no power in myself to get my, your word into their heart. That is a work of the Spirit, Lord. All I can do is stand here and proclaim the truth of your word in faith, Lord, that you will get your word from through the internet, through the screen, through the phone screen, and to penetrate the hearts of your people, Father. 
I pray that I will be faithful to your word, that I will not share human wisdom or human knowledge, but that I will only speak what is true. May your word stand forever. May you be glorified this morning. In your holy name we pray, amen. So as I said, we're going to look at this text to find 10 reasons that God gives us, not, not, ten, not five reasons that I'm giving you, but five reasons that God himself is giving you not to be afraid during this season. So number one, uh, what I want us to do first is, is first deal with the word fear. So if you look at your Bible, if you have an ESV like I do, it says fear not, and then it says be not dismayed. So those two words, let's understand what's being said here. What's being meant by fear or dismay? We need to establish the fact that in our world today, there's plenty of motivation for fear. You turn on Fox News, if you haven't already this morning, or CNN or MSNBC, whatever you watch, if you turn that on and you just focus on what they're saying, you're going to be terrified. You're going to be absolutely anxious. Then you make a trip to the store and you're, you're being told you need to purchase some things and prepare for whatever it is that's coming. And you go to the store and the shelves are empty and people are walking around frantically, anxious. There's going to be plenty of reason in this world to be afraid. That's why God starts this off by saying, fear not. See, he wouldn't say this if there was not plenty of reason to be afraid. If you focus on the world around you, on what's being posted on social media, you will be afraid. And you'll find plenty of reason for fear. Now, I want, to I want us to understand that this isn't just for this season of time. This is for any time that you're faced with fear in your life. Fear or anxiety or dismay. See, what, what these two words are referring to, they're actually very specific words because they mean fear or anxiety about a particular situation or event. How profound is that? And how fitting is that for our moment in time? But understand that it's generic enough to apply at any situation, apply to any situation or event that you're fo uh, facing that causes fear and dismay to, to take root in your heart. Now, God doesn't just say to not be afraid just because, right? I remember when I was a child and I would ask my parents why I couldn't do something, their answer quite often would just be because, because. Because I'm the adult and you're the child, that's why. But God's not that way with us, now is he? He's not saying don't be afraid because he goes on to list reasons why we should not be afraid. So let's take a look at them. Number one, the first reason why he tells us to not be afraid is because I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. This is a common phrase throughout Scripture. God often will use this, say this, whenever he's sending someone out on mission. God told Isaac when he was waiting for the Lord to fulfill his promise to Abraham, he said, fear not, for I am with you. 
God told Joshua when he was getting ready to take them, take the Israelites across the Jordan River into the promised land, God told him, fear not, for I will be with you. He promised Jeremiah multiple times throughout his book that he would be with him to protect him. And then, of course, in the Great Commission, Jesus says himself, I will be with you wherever you go. I am with you always. And in Psalm 46, the psalmist writes that God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. The psalmist can say that because he's clinging to the promise that God has made to his children that he is with us. Fear not, for I am with you. That's why the psalmist can confidently write that God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is a very present help for us in the time of trouble. Not anything else. Not my ability, not my wisdom, but God is with us. What, what incredible comfort this is for the children of God. But, but why should this be comforting? Who is this God that is with you? What's he like? What, what, what do we need to know about him? Why is this important? See, because the second thing that he says is, Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Let us begin by understanding who this God is not. See, many today worship a God. As a matter of fact, everyone worships a God, little g. We all have a God that we worship. And so many times we see a celebrity get on TV or an athlete bow their knee to pray and say, I just want to thank God and all of the evangelical world goes crazy. Oh, wow, he said God. He worships God. But so often, that's a God with a little g. That's not the God of the Bible. We need to know who this God is. He's not a wooden statue somewhere. He's not the Virgin Mary. He's not a priest. He's not a church. He, he's not money. He's not the stock market. This is not your God if you are a believer. He is not your home. He's not your vehicle. He's none of these things. He's better and bigger than all of this. We get so excited, don't we, when we hear anybody. We see other people post on Facebook. I just want to thank God and praise God. But what God are we talking about? Are you talking about just any God or the God? This time in our country is, is really proving that we don't all serve the same God. So many people are panicking and full of anxiety and even completely lost. And why? Because they don't serve this God. Understand, your confidence as a Christian comes from this God being your God you don't serve money or the stock market or your job or your health or your financial stability or your home. You serve God Almighty. That is your God. But again, that's not very comforting unless we really know who he is. So let's take a moment. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6. This is probably one of my most favorite passages of scripture because it is so profound and listen there are so many different places that we could begin 
um, to begin to look at who this God is and, and draw out some information and some wisdom and kind of paint the picture of this God. But this is where we're going to focus. Isaiah 6, Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. We could turn this off and go home right there. What a powerful vision of God this is. Let's break this down. In the year King Uzziah died, why does that matter? You need to understand a little bit about who King Uzziah was. King Uzziah reigned in Israel for 52 years. Imagine that. 52 years. Do you know how many presidents we've had in that span of time here in America? Ten. We've had ten presidents in that time span. So imagine the, the connection that the people of Israel felt to this king. Because not only was he king there for a long time, he was one of the better kings of Israel. He improved the economy, he strengthened the military, he invented new weapons, he built and dug these incredibly large cisterns in the desert so the people could have water. King Uzziah accomplished a lot of great things in his time. So the death of King Uzziah undoubtedly was a time of national unrest and national uh, turmoil and, and hurt and pain. So that's why it's significant that, it, that he says, in the year King Uzziah died, in, in the middle of, of all of this falling apart, in, in, whenever I was at my lowest, when I was sad and I was asking the question, what now? I saw the Lord. How staggering that statement is. I saw the Lord. And he was high and lifted up on a throne. What an incredible sight this must have been for Isaiah. What awe must have filled him. Now I want you to look. Look at your Bible. It says, I saw the Lord. But Lord is spelled with a capital L and then three lowercase letters. A lowercase O-R-D. That matters because look at Lord again in uh, chapter, what is this, chapter, or, I'm sorry, verse 3. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, and it's spelled differently. It's all caps. See, the difference, the reason for that is, it's not a spelling error. The reason for that is, is the Hebrew writers, whenever they would write Lord in verse 1, this was the title of God. It was Adonai. It meant the sovereign one, the master, or Lord. So this was God's title, much how we would call uh, King Uzziah. King was not his name. King was his title. Uzziah was his name. And in the same way, Lord, with small letters, is God's title 
and Lord, all capital, is his name. Whenever you see it like that in the Old Testament with all capitals, really it's translating the Hebrew name for God, the the holy name of God, Yahweh. So this is his personal name, is, is Yahweh, and it's all capitals, Lord. So what this is meaning, the reason for saying all of that, is that He's writing, in the year that King Uzziah died, in the year that the sovereign one of of this nation, the one who was in control, in the year that this authority figure died, I saw the authority figure. I saw the one who was truly in control. I saw the sovereign one. And guess what he was doing? He wasn't pacing around the throne room. He wasn't panicking. He wasn't trying to figure out what he's going to do next. He wasn't counseling with his team saying, how are we going to get out of this mess? No, what was he doing? He was sitting on his throne. That's big. Why? Because this God is absolutely in control. He's not shaken. He's not panicking. He's not taking a step back. He is sitting on his throne observing all that he is Lord over. And he's being worshipped by angelic creatures. Don't miss that. He's sitting on the throne. He's high and lifted up. That means that he's exalted. He's in this place of honor, high and above and away, all this disaster that's going on in the world. He saw the king of kings. He saw the one who reigns on high. Not a sovereign one, but the sovereign one. Now, that term sovereign, we hear it often. But what does it actually mean? What does it mean that he's sovereign? Well, it's a really profound word, and there's a lot of meaning behind it. But just for the sake of of our purposes, let's get a really brief understanding. We say that a country has become sovereign and recognized as, as a nation. Or I'm sorry, we say a country is sovereign when they are recognized as a nation. And what we mean by that is that they have the right and the authority to call the shots there in their nation. They have control. They have the power there in their nation. But they don't have absolute control now, do they? They can't stop the rain from falling. They can't stop the clouds from covering the sun overhead. They can't stop the earth from trembling uh, underneath them. They can't stop a tornado from coming through and wreaking havoc on their land. They certainly cannot stop a pandemic from sweeping through and and, and destroying. They can't stop when a virus breaks out in their land. So yes, they do have authority, but they do not have ultimate power and control. That belongs to the Lord. This God that Isaiah is seeing, he dictates the weather. He dictates the wind. He tells the wind where to go and how fast to go there. He's the one that calls out the rain from the storehouses and causes it to fall on the land, bringing forth vegetation and allowing the farmers a crop to harvest. It's this God who dictates whether or not the tectonic plates will shift in the planet and cause the whole earth 
earth to tremble. It's this God who will allow or tell a hurricane to begin to spin and go and smash into a nation. It's this God who raises up political leaders and displaces country, uh, displaces other political leaders. It's this God who controls the dollar. He's overseeing the stock market and whether or not it's going to succeed or fail, this God is in control of everything. Don't miss this. He determines just how far this pandemic will go and how long it will last. It is the Lord alone who is truly sovereign. Human history has written across it his handiwork. He ordains all things. He is in control of all things. Nothing is outside of his jurisdiction. Nothing is above his pay grade. Nothing is too challenging, too complex, or too convoluted for him. He has each of our days numbered and undoubtedly even detailed. He knows us inside and out, down to the very number of hairs upon our head. It is this God, this Lord, that is sitting upon the throne. Isaiah then saw angelic beings flying around the throne. And what were they doing? They weren't scared either, were they? They weren't panicking either, were they? They weren't wondering what's to come next either, were they? No, their only focus was this beautiful song they were singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I want you to know that even now, even in the midst of what's happening right now, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And even now, the whole earth is full of his glory. What an incredible God this is. What an incredible vision this must have been for Isaiah. So the question, why should you not be dismayed? Because it is this God who is with you. That God that has promised that he is with you. What could you possibly be afraid of? See, the problem is, that, is not that we just need to stop being afraid. No, we need to stop looking at the things that cause us to be fearful and turn our eyes heavenward where the Lord is seated high above everything, seated on his throne and in constantly receiving worship from these angelic creatures. That ought to be where our focus is in this hour and any hour. There's so much more to say about this text, but let's move on. The third reason, going back to Isaiah 41, the third reason that God gives us why we should not be afraid is because he says, I will strengthen you. This point was covered at length last week, so I won't spend a ton of time here. We understood from that text in 2 Corinthians 12 that we are weak and we need not to be ashamed of the fact that we're weak. But instead, go to Christ and, and, and in your weakness so that his power will empower you. 
as we learned from Paul, it shouldn't be shame. We should boast at our weakness. Boast in the fact that we're weak because when we are weak, that is when we are strong. I mean, could you imagine if God expected you to be strong enough to handle everything on your own? Could you imagine if God expected you to be able to figure out and to be strong enough to survive a pandemic on your own? Could you imagine how quickly we would fall and fail away? It would be like this. It would be in a heartbeat. But see, God is loving. And to his children, he promises, I will strengthen you. Not that you're strong, but that God is strong through his children. Thanks be to God that when we are weak, which is always, that is when we are strong, for it is the Lord who strengthens us. Fourth, the fourth reason that he gives us to not be afraid, after I will strengthen you, he says, I will help you. This is to say, you're not alone. You're not alone in this season. You're not alone in, 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 certainly in any season. God is with you. Psalm 54, 4. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. This should fill your heart with so much confidence. The Lord is with you to strengthen you. And he's with you to help you. And he can say this because he never leaves you. We can begin to feel lost during this season, but know this, the Lord is with you. He's near to you to help you. Christ promised us again in John 14, 16, that he would send to us the helper who would be with us forever. And guess what? That means even now. Even now. Now lastly, the last reason that he gives us to not be afraid, he says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The definition here, this is really important, I don't want us to miss this. The definition of uphold is to keep or maintain in an unaltered condition to cause to remain or last. What a powerful definition this is. So in these trying times or in any trying season, you need to know that if you are a Christian, the Lord will not allow you to fall away. The Lord will keep you. The Lord will maintain you in an unaltered condition. He will cause you to remain in him. He will cause you to last until the end. You know Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will finish it. He will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.3-5, it says that you were caused to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that is imperishable, and that by God's power, God's power, not your power, not your ability, not your wisdom, but by God's power, you are being guarded by faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And then John 6.39 says that none that belong to Christ will be lost. 
forever. None that belong to Christ will be lost. This is the confidence that you have if you are a Christian. This means that if you are truly a child of God, you will be kept safe through this and any season. Now, that is not to say that you won't get sick or that you won't have hard times or that you won't suffer greatly. But it means that if you have been born again, you will be kept in the faith for all of your life, not because you are so great of a Christian, but because it is the Lord who keeps you. He keeps his children to the very, very end. Now, for those of you listening who are not in the faith, I want to talk to you for just a moment. For those of you who are not a child of God, this verse reads to you entirely differently. It would say, fear, for I am not with you. Be dismayed, for I am not your God. I will not strengthen you. I will not help you. I will not uphold you with my righteous right hand. For those of you who are not in the faith, you have every reason in the world to be afraid during this season. However, I want you to know that this God that we serve is rich in mercy. Though you and I stand condemned before this holy, incredibly righteous God because of our sinfulness, God has made a way for us to be made right with him. And it's not through our own self-righteousness. You see, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to do what, for us what we could never do for ourselves. See, God, being rich in mercy, being rich in love, gave his son to the world. And this son, Jesus Christ, was born fully God and fully man. And he walked a perfect, blameless life, fulfilling the righteous requirement of the law that you and I were powerless to fulfill. He went to the cross as a spotless, blameless sacrifice. And on that cross, he stood in your place and in my place and in the place of all of those who would come to saving faith. God poured out his wrath on his own son because his son was bearing the sins of the world. And on that moment, Jesus Christ bore the wrath that you and I deserved. It, it, it was ours. We did it. We're the ones who sinned. Yet Christ took it on, standing in our place, and he died. But he didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day, and he was taken up into heaven where he is seated right now at the right hand of the Father. And now, if you, wherever you are, if you would call upon him as Lord, repent of your sins by putting all of your faith in him and him alone, trusting that he is who he says he is, trusting that you are who he says you are, you will be saved. You will have eternal life.
this world and the things of this world are perishing. Don't put your hope in this world. Put your hope in God. Though there is plenty to fear in the world today, do not be afraid, for this mighty God is with you. It is the Lord who is your God. He will strengthen you. He will help you. And he will keep you until the last day. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. O sovereign God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for your promise, Lord, to always be with us. Thank you for your promise that you are our God and that you will strengthen us and that you will uphold us and that you will help us, God. Lord, I pray that this become a reality in our life, that we become aware by the Spirit of the reality of, of you being with us. So we don't have any reason to fear, Lord. Let this not just be just talk. Let, let this not just be Christianese, but let us really genuinely and truly rest in the fact that you are with us now and forever, God. I thank you. I praise you. We give honor and glory to your name. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.